Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Quarterback. Stafford, step it up. Going left side. Watch Calvin. And so got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him. Touchdown. Hello and welcome to episode 57 of the Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, Michael Rothstein. My brain, I'm not going to lie to you, it's tired. That's generally what happens at the end of an NFL draft every year. We just haven't done a podcast before, so you haven't been able to hear it. This episode, as all episodes recently, are sponsored by BetOnline.ag. Check them out. Go over there. Use the code BLUEWIRE. Get a welcome bonus. It'll be worth your time, worth your trouble, and it'll help out this podcast. Also, don't forget, and we've mentioned it a bunch on this show, check out a2neighbors.com, sorry, a2neighbors.givingfuel.com backslash COVID-19. Try to help out a little bit, especially if you've appreciated the content that I've provided you over the last week. What would make me feel good is being able to go there and potentially give a little bit If you can, if it's possible, to local restaurants who are then going to feed local hospital workers here in Ann Arbor. Uh, It's a cause that I've really kind of tried to champion, have some friends that are running it, and they're doing a really fantastic job doing it. So the draft is over. All seven rounds, all 255 selections. The Lions ended up making nine of them. And... We'll just give some general thoughts first, and then we'll come back toward the end with uh, kind of going player by player after the break. But just some general thoughts. It was a very Buckeye-themed draft. Lions, third of their picks are Ohio State players, one each day, starting with Jeff Okuda in the first round, the high-impact cornerback that everybody that I've talked to talks about his mental makeup and that they think he's a franchise type of player. So... After that, in the third round on Friday night, they took Jonah Jackson, the guard from Ohio State. He could end up being Detroit's starting right guard by the end of this season, if not right away at the beginning of the season. And then with their last pick in the draft, pick number 235, they went back to Ohio State. They went to the defensive line, and they took Jay Sean Cornell, who's more of a defensive tackle. He can... Be a little bit versatile. He can play a little bit of inside and outside, but they clearly liked what they saw from the Buckeyes in this draft. And when you look at the draft overall, it it, it was actually a very strange draft to me because um, they doubled up a lot in a lot of different spots, Um, which, you know, we'll see how that ends up happening. I mean, we, we all knew that they were going to do certain things that you knew they were going to take a corner 
You knew they were going to find a guard. You knew they were probably going to find a running back. You knew that they probably were going to take a wide receiver in this draft, and you thought they would maybe get an edge rusher and a defensive tackle. So what did they do? They got basically all of those things, but how they did them, what they did, it was a little bit different. They didn't address the interior of their defensive line, a spot I thought they might address in round one or certainly in round two until round six with John Pinacini from Utah, and then they followed it up the next round with their last pick with Jay Sean Cornell, but that's late. You're not drafting definite starters there. You're taking guys you hope can become starters. Maybe you're drafting rotational players. To me, that says that you feel really, really good about Danny Shelton and Nick Williams, or you're planning on moving Romeo Aquara inside a little bit more, or you feel very good about Deshaun Hand coming off of an injury-plagued 2019 season. That's what I read out of that. Now, John Piacini specifically could be a really good pickup for them. He's a pretty good run stopper, but you didn't really get that pass rush guy outside of the middle. So when I look at that, you're maybe really counting on Nick Williams and Deshaun Hand, I think, to be there at this point if you're the Lions. But that's a spot you could maybe, when you're looking at free agency post-draft, that the Lions could make a move in. They also doubled up at running back, which I thought was really strange. And maybe if I'm any of the running backs on the roster right now, I'm a little bit concerned because DeAndre Swift is going to have a major role. Now, we'll see how they handle Jason Huntley. He's a smaller back. He's a guy who could end up being a receiver. To me, it seems a lot like J.D. McKissick and maybe a guy with return skills. So if I'm guys on the roster now, if I'm Jamal Agnew, I'm a little bit concerned. If I am... Trey Carson, I'm a bit worried. Honestly, even if I'm Bo Scarborough, I'm a little bit worried right now that they drafted two running backs. Carryon Johnson probably isn't going anywhere unless Carryon Johnson somehow gets hurt in the preseason. So all of a sudden, Ty Johnson's another guy, their rookie last year. He should probably be really worried because the drafting to me of Huntley could mean that he maybe might be on the way out. So that's another area they doubled up. That was, to me, their most surprising double up. They also doubled up at guard with Jonah Jackson, who we talked about a little bit before. And then their first pick on day three was Logan Stenberg, the guard from Kentucky. This actually made the most sense to me because we've talked a lot about right guard being an open competition, but I think left guard really could be as well. Joe Dahl is a fine player, but maybe he's better served as a backup. So now all of a sudden you might have drafted two starting guards in this draft or at least Guys who are going to really push Joe Dahl, push Kenny Wiggins, push Ode Abouche, and really kind of see how all of that goes down the road. The thing that really stuck out to me about Stenberg is he is an aggressive individual. He has a website. It's Mr. Nasty. So that should really tell you all you need to know about what Logan Stenberg might bring to Detroit. And I'm really curious to see how that goes because that's also a position at guard specifically because you're surrounded by a very, very good center in Frank Ragnow that you can maybe have a couple of younger players learning and getting comfortable with the system. But listen, Stenberg played in the SEC. Jackson played at Ohio State. So it's not like they're coming in with massive learning curves from college program level. So we're going to take a quick break really fast for our sponsor, and then we'll come back. We'll look at all of the day three picks specifically. And then on Monday... We will have a more fuller-fledged podcast. There will probably be a pod, uh, mailbag, a pod bag, 
and then we'll get back to our regular th- schedule this coming. With currently no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, you might think that there is nothing to bet on. Well, you would be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on from their online casino to poker and blackjack. They are bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can bet on. You can also still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. We've talked about this. You know how I feel about it. It's all open 24 hours a day. It's all online. Go to betonline.ag. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Join today to receive your new welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. And now, back to our show. So welcome back to the show. And let's just go pick by pick here with what the Lions did on Saturday to fill out their nine-person draft class. We'll start with the fourth round with Logan Stenberg, the offensive guard out of Kentucky. I like this pick. At first, I was a little bit confused just because, again, there were still some defensive tackles and really defense, pure defensive ends on the table that kind of could have made some sense to me. But then as I thought about it a little bit more, as we were talking about before the break, offensive guard is by far their biggest need on offense. It's their question, their position with the most questions, and I don't think they have a single actual solid starter. Again, Joe Dahl, I think, will end up starting at one of the spots, but he should get pushed. There's no doubt about that, and everyone else is kind of a veteran. You know what you're getting out of Odea Boucher. You know what you're getting out of Kenny Wiggins. You don't know what you're getting maybe out of Bo Benchwall, and you're hoping that Russell Bodine and Joshua Garnett can find things. But, again, most of those are older guys or you're living on hope and you're living on hope with veterans versus living on hope with rookies. So it'll be an interesting training camp whenever these guys get in to kind of see how they handle that. But as far as Stenberg goes, I mean, the, the trade back made sense. You know, that was maybe where I think it, it got me the most because you saw guys like Jason Stowbridge, you saw other guys that were defensive tackles that were on the board that really could have made some sense to me at that spot, but clearly the Lions weren't interested in really going at defensive tackle until much later in the draft. So they moved back. They got an extra fifth-round pick, which they needed, potentially, and then they took Stenberg. And and what Stenberg really does, he was primarily a left guard at Kentucky, so maybe he's the guy that's going to be pushing Joe Dahl, although Dahl can play both left and right. And all of this, too, pretty much ensures that Hal Vitae is staying at right tackle at least for now, if not for good. They, that was one area that the Lions didn't touch during the draft was offensive tackle, which probably means that you're you're looking at Taylor Decker maybe even getting an extension. We'll see what happens down the road with that. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's some interesting stuff there. My favorite quote from Stenberg He was really good on his conference call, actually. He's very physical. He's very open about being very physical is this. And this is how he started it off. So I'll tell you what my best asset is. I'm a nasty player. I like to block and finish guys. I'm a hardworking individual. I'm the kind of guy that's going to show up to work every day, whether it's practice or meetings, just really a blue-collar guy. Most of that's cliche stuff. But I saying he's a nasty player, to me, I, I like that if I'm the Detroit Lions. He actually spent the weekend on his parents' farm in Tennessee. They have a cattle farm. Uh, They have a herd of 40 cattle. It's about on 150 acres. 
And that's kind of what he does. That's where he's been. Uh, and he's the youngest of four brothers, so he's had to fight for everything for a while. It, it'll be really, really interesting to see what ends up happening with him. But he's a senior bowl guy, so the Lions have some familiarity with him. And he's just a guy that really seems to believe that being physical and physicality is the way to go in football. And that Matt Patricia must have had a huge grin on his face once he heard that. So after they take Logan Stenberg, then they go and they finally go wide receiver. They went with the wide receiver I would not have taken for multiple reasons in Quintez, Cef- in Quintez Cephas from Wisconsin. Uh, he's a fine player. He is. I, I know Jeffrey Okuda praised him early, or sorry, Jeff Okuda praised him back during the draft process saying he's the toughest receiver that, that he faced. And, you know, uh, that's great. That's That sounds sure. Um, but here's the thing, and this is what I think gets me. He's not a fast receiver. He's I think he ran a 4.7340, if that sounds about right, at – the combine and I think he did a little bit better later on, but I don't know. I, I'm just not sold on that, especially when you look at the receivers that you have and what this class could have been. Uh, and who frankly was on the board. You had a toolsy guy like Donovan Peoples Jones still on the board. You had Proche from SMU still on the board. I just, I don't know. To me, this was a tougher call at receiver. It was the pick I probably liked the least out of all of it. How Cephas described himself is that he's a receiver who makes plays. I'm a complete receiver. I'm willing to block. I'm willing to make catches. I'm willing to do whatever I need to help my team be successful. So whatever that is, I'll do what I have to do. Most prospects will say that. Let's just be honest. They will. Now, he was asked about the sexual assault charges that went to trial. It actually left him suspended for a year from Wisconsin. He was acquitted of those charges in 2019 was reinstated and obviously played this past season. He said he didn't want to focus on that in this moment. He wanted to focus more on being drafted, but he was also asked to describe, and he was asked this by me, how he would describe his past two years, which has had that in it. And, you know, it, it had been a very, you know, up and down two years for him without a doubt. And he said that the past two years have been great for me. I've been a lot of places and done a lot of things. I've been able to grow as a person. The last two years have been great for me on and off the field. So take that for what it's worth. But the Lions did draft him and knowing obviously that because the sexual assault charge was fairly well public. So that's going to be something that Bob Quinn's going to get asked about. We're recording this before Bob Quinn's post-draft press conference, but I guarantee you he'll be asked about it. And, you know, just because that's, that's something that that's going to come up. And as far as how he plays, he's an athlete. There's no doubt about that. He had basketball in his background that, you know, he really liked attacking the ball when he played basketball. That's how he described it. And that's how he's always been since he's a kid. The good thing for the lions is they don't need him this year. They don't. If he plays if he plays much, if at all, this year, that means the Lions have had some real injuries or some real problems because it means either the combination of Marvin Hall or Geronimo Allison and Chris Lacey, that none of them worked out. And it probably means that one of Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, or Danny Amendola got hurt. So that that's 
that's the benefit there is that you don't necessarily need him to play right away. But I don't know. I'm just not sold on that pick. They could have had KJ Hill, who I think is a more dynamic player, even though he's limited to the slot. But that's okay because you know more than anything you're going to need a slot. That, to me, I think would have been a better pick as well. I Just that... It's just a pick I'm not high on, and I think he could have done better. If you look at some of the guys that went after him, I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones is one of them. James Prochet from SMU that we talked about before, he went in the sixth round to Baltimore. Desmond Patton from Washington State, he was a guy that I thought was pretty good. He went to Indianapolis in the sixth round. K.J. Hill went in the seventh round. So I look at that, and that, that th- some of those guys to me maybe would have made a little bit more sense than Quintez Cephas at 166. Um, Isaiah Coulter, who's more of a small school guy out of Rhode Island, he went at 171 a few picks later. Could be worth watching him for that comparison as well. Don't forget, they could have made a receiver selection earlier too. They watched a lot of receivers go off the board. And, you know, I do wonder if they were hoping that maybe Antonio Gandy-Golden had slipped down, would slip down in the fifth round, or Tyler Johnson would maybe slip another five or so picks to them. Tyler Johnson, the receiver from Minnesota. Colin Johnson went one pick before them. He's the receiver from Texas. He's a pretty good player. So there were a lot of pretty good players out there that could be had on the third day receiver-wise, guys that I think could end up making an impact. If I were the Lions, I might have actually gone and taken Gandy Golden in the fourth round, especially after I traded down. But I understand their strategy of wanting to take a guard and potentially a second guard if you are concerned about what you have on the roster. So moving on from Safest, then they, to me, had the surprise of the draft in taking Jason Huntley, the running back from New Mexico State. Now, we always joke that Bob Quinn always takes one guy you don't really know much about. Now, he's probably the closest you don't know much about him pick, even though he was a Division One player. Here's what I know about Huntley from doing a little bit of research, watching a little bit of film. He's a shorter player. He is a very dynamic player. He reminds me, as I mentioned at the top, a lot of J.D. McKissick and what J.D. McKissick does. He has great speed, and honestly, once he can hit that gear, which he seems to get to pretty quickly, he's going to be able to outrun a lot of guys. I think he's a guy that can be a returner from day one. So if you're Jamal Agnew right now, you might not feel all that great about your long-term job standing. You're going to have a fight on your hands to win that job this year. And he's a guy that's a different back than anything else they have on the roster. Probably the biggest comparison, not necessarily from a size perspective, but from a speed perspective, is Ty Johnson. And, you know, between DeAndre Swift and Huntley, those two guys can both catch passes out of the backfield. That seemed to be where they were trying to use Ty Johnson a little bit more toward the end of the year. And Ty Johnson, there's not a lot invested in him. Obviously, he's a sixth-round pick. I still think he has a chance to be a really good player. But there is pressure there now, without a doubt, on a guy like Ty Johnson. It'll be curious to see how many undrafted free agents the Lions do sign because if they do sign a decent amount, that might mean that some guys are getting cut. And right now, there are a bunch of running backs that are on the roster that probably more than they necessarily need um to have so you could see a couple of guys maybe not long for the lions here as udfas get signed and maybe if there's some surplus there and and running back right now to me looks like a place there could be a decent amount of surplus 
So moving on from Huntley, that leaves our last two picks, and we'll combine them to John P- Pianissini and Jashan Cornell. They're both defensive tackles. Pianissini is a defensive tackle out of Utah. Cornell, obviously, a defensive tackle out of Ohio State. We'll start with Pianissini as far as he is a good run stopper. That is what he does best. That is what I think they drafted him for. And I, I anticipate that he, he might be a guy that could play a lot early because – you know, he, he was really open about stuff. He was, he was a, I think, by far the most interesting interview today of the players on their seven- or eight-minute conference calls. Actually, both defensive linemen were pretty good. But, you know, Piacini basically was like, yeah, he actually was preparing to be potentially be an undrafted free agent. He thought he was going to be a seventh-round pick. The Lions took him in the sixth round. He described himself as the most slept-on player in the draft. He's a hard worker, but he feels like he has something to prove. And to me, that's something that Matt Patricia is going to be able to use. And he's going to be able to use as a motivational tool. So that that's a good sign, I think, for the Lions when you have this guy. Um, I, I, I didn't – the initial write-up that I had, eh, I, I didn't really write much great about him. Because I'll be honest, I didn't watch a lot of Utah football. But the more I did some research, the more I learned. I think he's pretty good. I think that they they might have gotten a, a player that will at least be a rotational type of player here. He's, you know, he's a really good run stopper. He's very tough to deal with one-on-one. His hands are massive. And he's he knows how to have leverage really well. So all of these things, I think, are really good for him. The biggest thing will be, you know, he doesn't really have great pass rush work and he can be a little bit slow getting off the line, but we'll see how he goes. You know, I mean, the Pac-12 is a weird conference when it comes to kind of that defensive offensive line situation because it's not as powerful. And, you know, we kind of know that Matt Patricia wants power. So we'll see how this goes with him. And then obviously the last guy, Jay Sean Cornell, comes from a very, very good program. We all know that. He even admitted that, you know, he kind of didn't really do a whole lot until his senior year. And, and I'll read a, a quote from you f- about that. He was pretty open about all of it. And he was another really, really interesting interview. You know, we, we asked him, like, hey, like, you know, after we're talking about the transition from Ohio State to the NFL and where he had guys in cr- increased production, he said that, you know, he finally just got an opportunity to go out and play more often. He feels he always had the ability since he was young, and I'm paraphrasing here. He was a big-time recruit when he came to Ohio State, and he just didn't do what he needed to do early on to play. And this past year, as a senior – and this is a quote now – as a senior leader on the defensive line, I brought the juice every day at practice and every day out, and I think it was out on the field – and that was one of one thing that helped me bring my production up this year, especially with me being in the film room. So part of that, too, also happened to be that he didn't have as many classes, so he was able to do that. One thing that struck me is that he said he treated his senior year, which was his best season, like he was like an NFL player. So that's a good sign to me that he was already trying to treat his last year in college like he was in the NFL and he had his best year production-wise. So that's something you at least feel okay about if you're the Lions when you look at him. He comes from a good pedigree school, Creighton Durham Hall, Ryan Harris went there, Chris Wenke went there, Joe Maurer went there. 
you know, he, he like I said, he didn't play a ton. He was a seventh-round free agent guy. He was that for a reason. But if they can get him to be a rotational guy, then maybe you've got a maybe you've got something there. But they have a bunch of guys I think who are like him. A guy like Kevin Strong is going to maybe be someone who's his main competition for a roster spot. And Kevin Strong looked pretty good last year until he got hurt. So that's going to be something to watch. Remember, a lot of these guys, especially the later guys. Who knows what's going to happen this year because they're probably not going to have a spring to impress coaches or cause worry for coaches. So they're going to have to make big moves at a time when there's going to be truncated work more than likely to get a team ready for the season. So it's going to be an interesting situation for some of these guys and the undrafted free agents, some of whom are piling in now, but I won't really want to talk about them necessarily until we know that they're official because as we've all seen during free agents, undrafted free agent time, Things change. So, and I expect that, frankly, they'll probably be able to sign a little bit sooner or agree to terms or have something announced a little bit sooner than usual just because there's no rookie minicamp, et cetera, et cetera. But we'll see how the Lions handle it. So thanks, as always, for listening. Hope you enjoyed every podcast that we did this week. I enjoyed bringing them to you. And thanks, as always, to my sponsors, Bet Online, Regents Field, thanks to Blue Wire for hosting this podcast, and to my producer, David Woodley, for staying up late every night and putting this on. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Mike Rothstein, on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. We'll have another podcast again tomorrow. Make sure to leave us a five star review, and more than anything, if you can, really consider dropping some money at a2neighbors.givingfuel.com backslash COVID 19 to help out the first responders and the healthcare workers, which is trying to feed them a little bit here in Ann Arbor. So really try and do that if you can. Thanks again for listening. I really appreciate it. Please download, subscribe. That brings our numbers up, gets this podcast a little bit more noticed, helps me out. And once we get back into more regularly scheduled podcasts, helps me find maybe even more better and bigger guests to have on for you. And with that, we'll talk with you tomorrow. <laughs>